This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM and McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how's it going? Pretty good. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Look, it's hockey season, man. We it got, is. We got a ton to talk about. It's going to be a great show. Why don't we just hop right into it? Let's I mean, do let's, it. Like, no more small talk. Yeah. Let's just get into hockey stuff. Um, it's been a really interesting NHL season this year. I feel like there's been a lot of teams, a lot of surprise teams, a lot of teams that I, and surprises in both ways, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a team doing better than you'd think they would or doing much worse than we think they would. Let's focus on the latter because it's always fun to focus on failure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, you were thinking, I was thinking, we haven't seen any coaches get fired yet. Mm-hmm. At this point last year, it was, it was, you know, like Black Mondays across the board. Do you think any coaches are going to get fired this season at all? You know what? When you look at the landscape, I don't anticipate very many this year mm-hmm. because of just how the league is situated and you have a lot of new coaches coming in yes. where, you know, you got to give them some, some time to establish themselves. And, you know, and it's funny, you know, coming into the season and even sort of the first sort of week, obviously a lot of people are like, oh, Lindy Ruff yeah. on the hot seat we in New Jersey. We talked about it ourselves. Yeah. Clearly that's not going to happen. He's probably going to win the Jack Adams for that matter. So, uh, because sorry, the Lindy. Devils, sorry, Lindy, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and then, you know, you look at some of the teams that are struggling and, you know, Ottawa, still young. And yes, they made some big moves in the offseason, mm-hmm. but, you know, big. Uh, there's already been sort of a statement of faith in DJ Smith from Pierre Dorian, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. You look at Buffalo, Don Granato is one of the best things that happened to oh, them in the, the past you know, decade, I would say, uh, especially behind the bench, so he's going to be fine. Um, you know, Vancouver is an interesting situation, but you know, Bruce Boudreaux is still new, and you know, the Canucks are playing a lot better lately. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're Vancouver, you say, look, you know, we can't just sort of go through the, you know, revolving door of coaches at this point. You know, Boudreaux should be our guy at least for, you know, another year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one, the only situation I would monitor would be Nashville and mm-hmm. yes. John Hines because the Predators right now are you know, kind of mediocre, and, you know, this is not a team that is building towards something. This is a team they that should be in their they should yep. be in their contending window. Um, you know, it's a veteran squad. They have all their pieces, really. They're not waiting on anyone. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if it looks like the Predators are going to miss the playoffs, you know, maybe David Poyle says, okay, well, i got to juice things a yeah. little bit, and if I can't do that via trade, then maybe it's behind the bench to sort of get things rolling. Um, and, you know, and, and again, you know, St. Louis, we already see, you know, Craig Berube. I, I think he's pretty safe just based on what Doug Armstrong has said. And he just said. signed a contract extension last he summer. He just signed yeah. an extension. So, yeah, there's not a lot of situations that, that have me on high alert. Mm-hmm. I have a couple, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, like, it, first of all, I'm shocked that we haven't seen any firings yet. It's true. Like, it is, like, especially, we, we were talking about this in our preseason episodes, where, like, you know, we were talking with coaches on the hot seat, and, and I wrote a piece about it, uh, like, the top five, sort of, like, on the, like, the power rankings. Mm. John Hines is number five. I think I'd even bump him up, because this, like, the Preds went out, and they, they made win-now moves, you know? Mm. They made moves, like, to get veteran guys to pay them a lot of money. They re-signed Philip Forsberg to a lot to be, like, that face of their franchise, they, to their credit, got a great deal on, uh, on Ryan McDonough because they essentially took advantage of the, 
the lightning sort of cap strapped itness, if yes. you want to call it that way. Uh, but they basically got them for free. Yeah. Um, and then and then on top of that, they go and sign Nino Niederreiter. You don't sign Nino Niederreiter if you're rebuilding. You don't sign right. Nino Niederreiter if you're in a transitional period. You sign him, and you also like are banking on the fact that you're going to get good goaltending gold from UC Saros and everything like that. Mm. Um, if you it, like, you sign him to compete for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And right now they're not like this is a, like you said this is a very mediocre team i could definitely see john hines at least being on the hot seat yeah. he's a very well liked coach sure like he's he's very he's he's what we would call a players coach if you mm. will um, but results are are king another mm. one is the columbus blue jackets and i know that they've had injuries uh-huh. i know like i know that it's been it, it hasn't been the easiest you know like, like i know that you know patrick line is out for a good chunk Wierenski's out forever uh, you know Voracek's going to be out potentially forever yeah um, but this was a team that went out and signed Johnny Goudreau to like uh, one of the biggest free agent contracts in, in history. It was a statement contract. This, this was a this was a move, and, and on top of that, they they sent out Oliver Bjorkstrand so they could afford to do it. They mm-hmm. gave away arguably their best forward from last season yeah. in order to make it work. They made the moves that like the Leafs would make or mm-hmm. like the Lightning would make to make sure their cap situa- uh, situation is, is perfected. They gave Patrick Laine a lot of money. Mm. They, they went out, and I, this wasn't a smart move at all because he's been terrible there, but he, they went out and they gave Eric Goodbranson a four-year, you know, uh, $4 million deal um, because they thought, oh, he's our, like, pinnacle, like, sort of, like, sort of uh, shut-down guy that's going to yeah. help us on a playoff run. Yeah. It's been a disaster. You know, they, they've, they're 10, 15, and 2. Goudreau's look fine, but everyone else has been... And I can see... I know Brad Larson's somewhat new there, but he was an assistant coach there for a while. He got bumped up. There could just be a sense of like, all right, he's been here forever. I know we have a lot of new faces, but like we need a new voice. Um, and then another one, uh, obviously like the Canucks, it feels like Bruce Boudreaux's on the hot seat or not every day. I mean, we've, right. we've, been, we've been talking about the chaos there. Yeah. Um, but the Anaheim Ducks, because Pat Verbeek is in there. Yeah. You know, he, he, uh, he's their new GM. He clearly, he, you know, he, went out, he made some statement moves in the off season. I know that, you know, we, we've debated this before yeah. where, you know, like how good did Anaheim expect to be? But like, you don't go out and sign Strom, Vetrano, give a one-year deal to John Klingberg if you're mm. expecting to still be in the basement, still be tanking. They expect to make strides forward, and they're still mm. one. They have one regulation win. They're playing the Leafs tonight. Yeah. They have one regulation win, and it's almost Christmas. Yeah. That's that's. Terrible. It's a wild stat. It's an absolutely wild stat. Um, like I know they miss Jamie Drysdale, but he's still a young guy. Like, how yeah. much is he really going to impact it? Um, so I can definitely see Dallas because he's been there for a while. The GM didn't inha- like the GM inherited him. Right. Could be wanting his own. Like I, I if if I was a betting man, I'm not sure what the what the odds are, but I would put money on Eakins being the first to go because mm. it just all makes sense. Team is underperforming. You know he's been there for a while, mm. and he was inherited by a new GM who went out yeah. and made moves to win, and they're not. Uh-huh. Seems like it's there. Yeah. I. S- I, I see. I, I like your point about the fact that he's not Verbeek's guy, yeah. and and you know one regulation win that that does say a lot. I still disagree that Anaheim thought that they were going to be good this year. I thought I think guys like Stroman Vetrano are the guys you get where it's like we don't want the kids to totally get caved in. Yeah. So we need some people there, and you know like Getzlaff retiring. Mm-hmm. You know Strom helps there. Um, with Larson. I think he's safe because he's so new, and it's not his fault that Columbus didn't get goaltending in the offseason. He's been there as head coach. As head coach, yeah, and that's a different vibe. I know because when you're an assistant coach or an associate coach, um, 
you know, you're usually the good cop and the head yes, coach is yeah. the bad cop or vice versa, depending on the, you know. So I, I feel he still has runway because he's so new, uh, but it certainly has been a horrible season in Columbus when there was so much hope. And there are, as you mentioned, a lot of factors. It's just like you look at all their numbers across the board and it, they're just like, all of them are below average. They're safe, their goaltending is just atrocious. And this was my concern going yeah. into the season was, do they have the goaltending? And I, I still believe that, you know, sooner than later, unless they go out on the open market and get, so, get someone that Tarasov, who, you know, I mean, he hasn't been lights out, but I think he has the most potential mm -hmm of all their goaltenders right now. Um, I, I still think, well, they were never that good. No, but they were like, <laughs> they were okay. Like, like the, yeah, they, they were okay. Yeah, but they weren't eight, eight, a combined 886. Right, but I, I think goaltending stats have come down in the past year or two yes. in general. So, you know, if they used to be 900 or 905 goalies, now they are mm -hmm. 886. Well, yeah, if you're looking at goaltending stats this year, I mean, they're down, like, pretty swimmingly across the board. I'm pretty yeah. sure the league average goaltending is, like, 898 now. Like, it's, it's dipped below 900. Mm -hmm. But, like, you look at, for, for example, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but, like, Corpusalo, like, you know, he was, he was, like, a 920 in his first season. You know, 905, but 911, like 911 in 2019-20, like he was okay. Mm -hmm. Merzlikens, and now they're just, they're, they're atrocious. Merzlikens yeah. is 862, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And again, no Wierenski, which is no a big Wierenski. blow. Boquist is out for a long time. Boquist, yeah. You know, like there's, there's, there, there are factors here. We yeah, get, exactly. And so I can see that. I, but like, I really am thinking like, like the days are numbered for Dallas Eakins. It was already waffling whether or not he was going to mm. come back. Even when Murray was there, I remember there were a lot of, like yeah, weird, there was like a weird standoff there uh -huh. to like pick up an option on his contract or something, right. um, and and yes, we know that they weren't going to be good per se. Yeah, but I do think they expected to take a step forward. I do think they expected to be like, all right, we're not going to be like you know a top three pick again this year. I do think yeah. we're bringing in some veteran guys. We're hoping that that a guy like Zegers is going to take a step forward. Hoping that you know other guys who are who are in sort of that that pipeline are going to take a step forward. Um, that we didn't trade John Gibson. We could have, but yep. we didn't. So we, so like, I think any team that really sort of like doubles down on its veteran goaltender is expecting to at least win a few games. Mm -hmm. um, and and like, every, everyone knows like GMs love their guys. It's true. And Egan's is not his guy. And it's I think true. Verbeek is Verbeek came in and he really swung it around. Like he really mm -hmm. came in there and was like, this is going to be my team and make it my own. Yeah. And I think the final uh, piece of that is a coach. Now I'm gonna go rogue for our next our next topic. Okay. Because it just dawned on me. Uh -huh. It's not in our prep, but it just dawned on me that something big happened, uh, and it is relating to Bo, um, Bo Horvat. Oh, okay. Because there were reports yesterday that that um, the Canucks submitted their final, what they would say is their best contract offer. Right. Uh, to Bo Horvat. Yeah. Uh, it was believed to be eight years, but under eight million dollars. Mm -hmm. So very far away from your nearing the Tavares. Yes. yes. Uh, 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 contract uh, prediction. Yeah. He declined that, and so now they are apparently focused on getting the best trade return mm. they can for him. Because Bo knows he can get 10. Exactly. The open um, Bo John Tavares Horvat, as we like to call him. That's right. Um, he's doing incredible. Yep. My fantasy team thanks him for that. Yeah. Um, but we now we now turn to the trade the trade market. Where do you think? Who do you think is the assets to pony up for him? First of all, mm. what do you think a package of that is going to be like? Who is the assets and where do you think he goes? Yeah. So unless it's a sign and trade, mm -hmm. right? It'll uh, be a rental, you'd think. It's it's a rental. But you look at Bo Horvat and 
I mean, you got like it's obviously like a first, you know. I, I feel he's a first, a prospect, and a roster player. The, the classic. The classic yeah. trio. But I don't know because wasn't. But wasn't, it is a rental. Wasn't so. like Tyler Toffoli that like like don't we need to elevate that that trade price a little bit? Tyler Toffoli is a Stanley Cup winner. So it's like, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like a missing piece guy where he is that classic rental where it's like, well, he's done it before. That's true. And he tends to get super hot in the playoffs, as Montreal found out a couple of years ago. No kidding. Uh, so, yeah, Tyler Toffoli's kind of one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I get it. I get, I get giving up a lot for him. You know, it's kind of like if you, you know, a few years ago, if you could get Justin Williams... Yeah, for your yeah. playoff team, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I want Justin Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Horvat, yeah, because he's a rental, maybe it's a first and a prospect or a first and a, a, play, you know, a player. Um, but I, I definitely think if you're the Canucks, you want that draft pick for sure. Yeah, but would they want a roster player? Because the, I don't think the Canucks want to, like, rebuild in that sense, you know? Well, no, but... You might want, uh, you know what? I mean, that's fair. I guess it's like, do you want a body back? And yeah. whoever you're trading with, what's their cap situation? You might need to take a exactly. guy back just yeah. to make the money to, like, work. To launder it through. Yeah, I, exactly. I think there's a third team comes in here to launder like some retention. Fair. I think that would 100% be. So maybe it's like a Vancouver, Arizona, Colorado trade? I have Colorado pulled up here. I think, Yeah. I've said this for so long, I think Bo Horvat just screams Colorado Avalanche to me. Sure. He is, he is exactly the type of player that they that they would go after. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that. He, he reminds me of sort of like a, uh, uh, I, I don't know, just a, maybe a, a, a like lesser uh, a Gabriel Landeskog in a sense. Like, mm. like kind of power forward-ish, can score goals, has a nose for the net mm. um, and all that. And, and just like, He's a former captain too. He's got yeah. that leadership. Another thing too, and and this is something that that uh, uh, Connor pointed out to me, mm. is that uh, expiring contracts are going could be going back. Like they could they, they could find a way to staple someone like a Connor Garland to him, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, or I wouldn't. I don't think they're going to try and staple like an OEL or or a, a Myers. That would be a that lot. would be nuts because that yeah. would totally tank all of the all of the trade package that you're going to get back for him. Yeah. But like. Like like we said, Vancouver has zero dollars in cap space. Yeah. They don't have any, mm-hmm. so it's gonna be. It would be. They they're gonna want to have to free up some of that as well. Mm-hmm. But Colorado just seems like the perfect fit. And and Colorado, look, they have they have uh, uh, you know one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in, right. in cap space right now. Yeah. So it's pretty tough. But we've seen teams go pretty nuts before. They have a ton of of. Like I feel, I also feel like they're they're if they really want to use LTIR for all the guys who are on injury reserve, like they have Manson, yep. uh, Byram, Bowers, like McKinnon is out, but they could if they really wanted to, they could probably put them on injury reserve. Really bank that cap space yeah. towards where that they can then put Byram or um, Horvat and then like launder him through a third team. Yeah, I think it just seems seems inevitable. You and know? if you're Colorado, if you look at it and be like, we could run this back. We could absolutely. we could go we could absolutely go back to back. Oh yeah, if all our guys are healthy. Um, now, do they have the goaltending? Dude, Georgiev has been incredible. I wrote about it last week. Like yeah. Georgiev is he's 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 basically a 920 goalie. He's he's right up there in the top 10 for, you know, goals goals against uh, adjusted goals saved above average. He's been exactly what they need. Well, he's been a big deal. So, look, can, so is far it, so good. Is it sustainable? We don't know, but right now, yeah. it's a what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Georgiev has done great and he's given them pretty good value on like 3 I think it's like 3.65 or something, 3.35. Yeah. Not bad. Anyway, that was me going rogue. All right. 
We talked about how the pens, it looked like, it looked pretty dire. Mm -hmm. you know? It was like that scene in March of the Penguins where they, they all just fall off the cliff. I haven't seen that movie. I'm assuming that's, that happens at some <laughs> point where Morgan Freeman goes like, oh, they're the penguins and they're dead. And then the um, penguins die. Exactly. But here we go. The penguins, they're back, man. They're back, back baby. They're, they're ripping and rolling. Should we be fearing the penguins again? Yeah, you know what? It's like, I think they're like 8-1-1 one, and one in their past yeah, they're 10. Doing, they're doing great. You know, uh, Jenny Malkin is on fire. Sidney Crosby has been amazing all season. He, he's back in the, in the heart conversation, I think. Sidney Crosby. Yeah. He should be. Tristan Jari has not lost in regulation since November 5th. It was a long time ago. Yeah, 5th of the 3rd. I think it was the 5th. Uh, but like literally the first days of November. So it's been like more than a calendar month. He's been excellent pretty much all year for them. I think, mm -hmm. he, I think he has a 920 save percentage. It's exactly 920. 10 goals saved above average. That puts him in the, I believe it's in the top three in the league. Well, there you go. Yeah. So the stars are doing their job. And if we know one thing about the Penguins, it's that they're really good at slotting everybody in and, you know, when, when guys go down, you have that next man up mentality. But um, right now, it just seems like they're getting everything they need from those guys. And again, it's something we've talked about before. It's like, how long can the Penguins stay in that Stanley Cup window? Like, they haven't had much playoff success recently. Yeah. But when you have Crosby and Malkin, uh, and then, of course, you know, Chris Letang coming back from his stroke. He's played two games. I think he played like 27 minutes the other night. Uh, which he, is pretty incredible. I believe it was 11 days since he su suffered the stroke. He came back to play an NHL hockey game. Yeah. That is, that shouldn't be humanly possible. Yeah, it seems like, like I'm not a doctor, but. You're not? I'm no, not yet. This I, is news I'm, to I'm, me. I'm short a couple of credits. This is news to me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if I can get back to Harvard in the summer, I will, but it's a big thing. It's pretty nuts how you've lied to me this entire time. I, I just I'm continue. A, I'm a sociopath. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at Pittsburgh, it's like, when you have those guys, you kind of have to go for yeah, it. Yeah. And I think what Crosby in particular has shown the past couple of years is he's not ready to just, you know, let his legacy be set already. Like, no. he wants more rings. And who can deny him other than, I suppose, the Islanders have done it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it feels like the hunger is still there. And can they keep this pace? I don't know, but they, they're certainly a team that... I think they have a lot to prove, even though they've won several cups, you know, this core. Mm -hmm. I still think because they haven't had success lately, they have a lot to prove. And to me, that makes them dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, this is uh, as much as everyone just got signed to long term extensions. There is I feel like there's a perpetual last dance sort of mentality around mm -hmm. uh, around uh, the Penguins because yeah. you never know when some like you never know when and, and he's proven otherwise but you never know when someone is going to suffer a cat catastrophic injury or health situation like you know maybe like what Chris Letang did but yeah. again like you said he kind of was like I don't care Stroke, <sighs> no big deal I'm, I'm, I'm going to be back to playing 27 minutes or whatever but yeah. uh, this is this is a hungry team I, the Penguins are the team that I flip flop on the most because I, yeah. re I really like them on paper, mm -hmm. but I also see their flaws. Like I also see the age and sort of like the the lack of foot speed mm -hmm. and how they can some how and how they can be beaten. Yeah. But when they're on, they're on. Yeah. And like you have like Jake Gensel is having an you know he's he's Jake Gensel might be one of the most underrated scorers in the league. That's very true. No one talks about him. Yeah. And yet he is consistent every year. A top uh, sort of a top offensive player. Yeah. He's come into that sort of. Uh, like like Crosby understudy, like the Chris Kunitz role, like just swimmingly, like completely seamlessly. Yeah. 
it's great. And their goaltending has been phenomenal. Like like Tristan Jari, like he says, 920. So mm-hmm. 10, 10 goals saved above average. In, in nine less starts, Casey DeSmith, 916, 3.7 goals saved above average. I mean, this is like, if you have a slow team, if you have an older team, mm. you're going to need guys to come in and be sort of like a backbone for them. Yeah. Their goaltending has done that. And in both cases, what's interesting to me is like, in a lot of those games that Tristan Jari has won, uh, he's faced a lot of shots, oh, yeah. like high 30s. So it's not yeah. a matter of him having just an easy day at the office. No, no, no. He's, he's facing a lot. And I think this just goes back. First of all, they've had as much as like, again, we talk about Chris Letang's thing, but like last year injuries killed them. Mm-hmm. Like like their entire team. They're, they've lost, they, last year they lost every single member of their top six for at least 10 games. Yeah. Remember that. Like it, 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 that's, it's a crazy stat. Um, but this year they, they've had that health at least, and now they're figuring it out. And we just got to go back to the fact that Mike Sullivan is just like, he's, he's a completely elite tier NHL coach. It's very true. He, he, the culture he's built around this team, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to, uh, I, I know Crosby's not the most like sort of egocentric guy, but the ability to sort of like keep that, that sort of like nucleus of stars intact, mm-hmm. that next man up mentality, which is what saved their season last year yep. with the Evan Rodriguez, you know, like Brian Russ coming into his own, all that kind of stuff. I think it just works great. There's there's a great combination of stuff in Pittsburgh right now. We could be coming back in two weeks talking about how they've lost every game since. Yeah. You know, th- this is the most like like I said, the most flip floppy team. But I, yep. I right now they're doing great and never bet against Sidney Crosby. Never bet against Sidney Crosby. Hundred percent. All right, moving on. Montreal, the Canadians. Yeah. You know what I like about about the Canadians this year is their fans are having a blast. Yes. They deserve it. Uh, last year was just the worst for them. It was the worst for everyone watching the team, but specifically them because it was just no hope. Their, their young players weren't getting played properly. They were sending Cole Caulfield to the AHL, stuff like that. Yep. Now, even though, you know, Slavkovsky's taking some time to get going, even though their goaltending hasn't been great, even though this, even though that, yep. the young guys are proving that, they're, that they're, they've got a really great nucleus there, and now Montreal is, is doing pretty well. Yeah, it's funny. They're surviving. Yes. And it's very interesting to me because I think when we looked at this season, it kind of made sense for Montreal to be bad, you know, because they have some long-term contracts that are, are not pretty, uh, but they do have this great young core evolving where it's like Suzuki and Caulfield are obviously your cornerstones. Mm-hmm. And then you get Slavkovsky and he's a very exciting prospect that obviously could come in right away. You know, you were going to see what Caden Gooley could do on the back end. You were going to see what Jordan Harris could do on the back mm-hmm. end. Arba Zekai comes in oh, and has been, yeah, exactly, one of the stories of the year, especially you know when it comes to rookies. Um, but they're doing better than anticipated, and it's kind of funny when you look at the standings. It's like, okay, Ottawa and Buffalo, they're struggling. They're going to need another year. Mm-hmm. That's kind of established. Detroit was the team of those three that took the next step. Yes. Now Detroit is looking like a playoff team, or at least on the bubble. They're going to challenge for it at least. Yeah, exactly. Least. Yeah. Florida's the team that took a step back. Yeah. And they, they're the ones, I think, that really have to fear Montreal because now the Habs can look at the season and say, okay, let's keep pushing it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we want to play meaningful games in March, in April. We're probably not going to make it. That's okay. Yeah. Hey, hey, maybe they will. You never know. Yeah. Right? They've put themselves in a good position mathematically, mm-hmm. at least. And Marty St. Louis, obviously, with his experience and with the way that he has really established like positivity and trust yes. in that room, it's really going to help them in that second half. Um, 
So when I look at this team and I say, okay, well, if I'm Kent Hughes, what do I do at the trade deadline? Because um, it's not like they have a lot of cap space. And, you know, I don't think you want to add, but you also want to have faith in that roster. And I think they have two pretty easy moves that can help them for the future and not hurt their present. Mm-hmm. One is uh, move Evgeny Dodonov, yes. uh, who is not produced. He has a modified no trade clause. So we, there's like we, a 10 team list. Yes, very, yes. Very, uh, we'd be made yes. very aware of that. Yes, yeah. so there's a 10 team list. So you've got flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would see if you can find a buyer for Mike Hoffman who, you know, there's been a little production, not great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he does have another year on his contract, which kind of complicates things. Yeah. But maybe you say to yourself, if we can kind of just give him away, mm-hmm. then at least we give ourselves more roster flexibility in the summer. Yes. As I said, those are two moves where it doesn't hurt your team. Joel Edmondson as well, sorry, another big, who is being pur- purported as getting a first round pick apparently. That's wild. I wouldn't do that. Have you seen uh, those reports? I have not. Oh, well, it's out of Edmonton. Oh, okay. So, I mean, All right. but still, like, that, they, have, they have three chips here. Now, you were saying, uh, you were saying here in, in that giving away Evgeny Donanov, like, it's something that they're just going to be able to do. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. That's going to be tough. Five yeah. million dollars. I know he's, I know he's inspiring, but, like, yeah. he's 33, you know, hasn't produced... Maybe there's a, maybe there's a basement team that you know Anaheim just just needs warm bodies. Maybe maybe Anaheim 2.0 can work for him. Who maybe because maybe Anaheim trades some of their vets and like oh we're kind of close to the cap floor. Anaheim's gonna trade Klingberg like you you would. That's why they signed him in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I think I think subtracting um, intelligently would be a good move for them. Like yeah. maybe selling off their their veteran pieces, but like. What do you, for example, like, what do you do with Sean Monaghan? You know what? That's a really good question. I was thinking, I like how you said it was a really good question, but you're the one that asked it. Um, I, was, I was thinking about that. I think you re-sign him, and I, you know, I think you hope that Sean Monaghan gets the feels and says, you know what? I really kind of turned it around this year. Yeah, I like be- Montreal. They believed in me. I'm not going to make them b- break the bank. Maybe you get a team-friendly deal. Maybe it's still short-term, but maybe it's like two, three years. Be like, we believe in you, Sean. We'd like to have you here. We don't have a lot of cap space, so let's see. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's only like five a year. It might be even less than you're making now, but at least you get some security. Um, I, would tr- I would try it if I was Montreal. I mean, if you're Sean Monaghan, maybe you just bet on yourself. And be like, I have rediscovered, you know, my Monaghan-ness. Now, the thing is with Sean Monaghan is he's definitely not going to be making as much as he used to. No. He's, he's, right now he's making 6.375. So right. you're saying 5, that'd be good. I could see like a, a, a world where 4.5 or something could, could sure. be with him. That'd be great. Um, we have breaking news, though, in that uh, the, the Board of Governors meetings that were happening, they just wrapped up. Yes. Uh, Gary Bedman has said that based on the current revenue projections, the cap will only go up $1 million next year. Well, that's pretty big because there was talk big. of it going up four. Exactly. It'll only go up $1 million next year based okay. on the players still owing escrow. Mm. But he did allow for the possibility the revenue could exceed projections and therefore the cap could go up more. Mm. But he's, he's basically, I think this is basically setting everyone up for, all right, it's only going up one mil. Yeah. So it, like it really, I mean, yes, it's going to help a little bit, but I don't, I don't know how much that really impacts 
uh, things move forward. I think that that makes it tougher for GMs. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think they were planning on the four million jump. I think they were, yeah. you know, and now it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, going up to uh, what is it, eighty three point five? It would be, you know, it's eighty two point five now, I believe. Yep. So yep. that's man, I. I hate having to talk about financials and like right. you know like the MLB free agency is going off and the Jays just paid twenty one million dollars for a guy who's going to be maybe their third starter probably their fourth and like like the guy they they it just it annoys me it annoys it annoys me that that hockey salaries have not grown uh, you know correlated with the revenue right, they bring right. in but anyway that's that's a bit of a crazy hard turn there yeah I think they as we say bring it back to the Canadians mm. subtracting intelligently yeah I think would be I don't think you have to do much exactly. you're not quite standing pat but if you can tweak and give yourself some flexibility you there definitely are a couple of guys that you mm-hmm. could deal and it would not hurt the present hundred percent all right. Canadian World Junior Team is being announced. This is big yeah. news, not yep. just for the country, but for us because we're going to be covering it. Exactly. Um, this is going to be a crazy stacked roster. Mm-hmm. Ryan, give me your thoughts on it. Well, you know what? I mean, there wasn't a lot of surprises on the, the top end, obviously. Yeah. We knew who the big guns were going to be. Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Olin Zellweger, Brant Clark, Shane Wright, you know, Logan, uh, Stan, Logan Stan Coven. Like, you know, we knew that was all there. To me, it was... It was interesting to see which kids really earned their spots in camp. So, mm-hmm. like Caden Bankier, yes, uh, for Kamloops. Um, you know, Colton Dock, another dub guy. Um, you know, Tyson Hines mm-hmm. on the back end. And you know, when I look at this team in general, it's like, yes, you have all the scoring power you need, and it answers the question: If we needed a goal in the last second, do we have the firepower? We certainly do. Hundred percent. But what I'm seeing in this is this, it's going to be a pretty big team otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Like you mm-hmm. look at guys like Doc and Bankier in particular up front, you know, those are big body kids. Um, you know, Bankier, he can do a lot of different things out there. Um, you know, he can battle, he can be on your PK. Obviously, he can score. He's been great in that regard. I think he already has 20 goals this year in the dub. Um, so it's interesting to see how uh, big they went. Reed Schaefer, another one. Yes. Um, you know, Edmonton Oilers first rounder out of the dub. It's a very dub heavy team. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I wonder if this is a bit of a, you know, residual effect of the OHL missing that season, just in terms of development and, and guys there. Uh, and these things go in cycles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be a, a tough team to play against. Like Canada is always tough to play against, but a lot of big bodies. And it's going to be interesting to see. And it, again, it's on the smaller ice where you can't really hide. You can't stretch things out as much if you were on the bigger European ice. Um, so it's it's kind of fascinating. And, and it's fun, you know, like, I mean, for sure, like coming into camp, you know, guys like Bankier and Hines, I would not have had them on the final roster. Mm-hmm. So good on them uh, for making the cut. And then I would also finish up by saying goaltending uh, was interesting. No Tyler Brennan. Yeah. Uh, looks like Benjamin Goudreau, um, the San Jose Sharks pick, plays for Sarni in the OHL. Uh, I would have him in the, as the starter, Thomas Millich, with uh, Seattle Thunderbirds in the dub. Uh, I would have him as the backup. Goudreau has more size. Goudreau also played for that incredible World Under-18 squad in the Texas bubble mm-hmm. uh, that won gold, where a lot of these players were also on that roster. Um, Hasn't had good OHL numbers, but that's okay. Um, he's proven in these international situations that he can be that guy that gets the job done for mm-hmm. Canada. He can make 
you know, a few more saves than the other guy. And with this roster, I think that's all they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like six foot three, so check mark that's on that great. too. I think there's only really one big snub, which was Owen Beck, in my opinion. Not snub, but just like surprise. There, sure, there. sure. Uh, I saw a lot of conversation about that, but like this is a very stacked team. This is a, this the top end talent like mm-hmm. rivals. I would say any other year. Yeah, like I would agree. Like we had, like you know, and just, Owen Beck can play next year. Okay, I know that was something they mentioned. Is like. Yeah. When, when he was cut, it's like, look, you know. You'll be back next year. You'll be back, yeah. and you'll probably play a pretty prominent role. Yeah. So, uh, like, having the, the actual, like, top NHL talent here. You mm-hmm. know, you have a lot of, like, having a Brant Clark to sort of, like, quarterback the power play. But even just having, yeah. you know, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Shane Wright. Yeah. You know, like Dylan all, Gunther. Dylan Gunther. I didn't mention all yeah. NHL player this year and very highly regarded by... Coyotes coach Andre Tourney. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone is a highly regarded player to, to Andre Tourney. He's a great guy to talk to. Love him. Yeah. But this is going to be just an incredibly exciting uh, tournament to cover mm-hmm. and a tournament to watch uh, for all you fans at home. It's going to be great. That's right. Um, all right. The NBA. Uh, they, they renamed a lot of their players to uh, a lot yeah. of their awards, sorry, to, uh, based off of contemporary players. You know, the, yes. the, the MVP is the Michael Jordan Award, Defensive Player of the Year is the Hakeem Olajuwon Award, etc., etc. There's a clutch award now, the Jerry West, uh, a clutch player of the year, yeah. stuff like that. Now, we thought, as is, as is the case, the NBA always seems to be first, and then 20 years later, the NHL might adopt something. So, um, we, we might as well get a jump, uh, you know, a head start on that. Let's do it. Let's say the NHL were to rename its awards. Mm. Who, we, who would we name them after? We're going to go through the Hart, Norris, Calder, Vesna, Selkie, and Con Smythe. Yeah. Art Ross as well. Art Ross as well. Uh, Jack Adams. Yeah. Why yes. not? So let's, uh, let, let's, let's do that, shall we? Yes. So the first thing we have to establish is that we have what I will call a Gretzky problem, which yes. is that multiple awards could be named after Wayne Gretzky. But there can only really be there can only be one in this. Mm-hmm. So, with that out of the way. So I actually speaking on Gretzky before we get started, I've always thought that the NHL should put in a because we have a Rocket Richard, they should do an assist one and they should sure. name that after Gretzky. That would be great because even if you took away every goal that Gretzky had ever scored, and he's the all-time leader. Mm-hmm. Took away every goal that Gretzky scored, he'd still be the all-time points leader right. just with assists. Yeah, he 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 completely uh, he completely like redefined what playmakers are like. I think they should they should absolutely have a Wayne Gretzky Playmaker of the Year. There you go. And there you defensive go. defenseman, you could do the Rod Langway Award. There you go. Yeah. Boom. All right. So let's start with the heart, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Who would you name it? Okay. So I would call it the Gordie Howe Award mm-hmm. uh, because Art Ross. I think you have to give it to Gretzky. Gordie Howe won the heart six times. Mm-hmm. So uh, no slouch there himself. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Hockey, you know, I mean, he played for so long at such a high level and he did so many great things out there on the ice. I think Gordie Howe is kind of the obvious one if it's not Gretzky. Yeah, I, you know what, I, if it's, yeah, like I was going to say, if it's not Gretzky, I think we got to go Howe. Yeah. Like, I, I, was, I was really in, opi- in the opinion of that. Um, just because, like you said, like, like Gretzky could be named for any of these because mm-hmm. he was so good, but... I mean, Gordie Howe was just the definition of like the, a team MVP, you know? Yeah. Put the team on his back. Like yeah. you said, he played like the longevity, the great. All right. Norris. Norris. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's got to be the Bobby Orr Award because, mm-hmm. again, he won it so many times and he really redefined the position. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, you think about how Bobby Orr played and. You know, we saw some examples in like the 80s, like yeah. Paul Coffey, for example. But I mean, it's really more like today how he played. Mm-hmm. Like 
the Eric Carlson's of the world, you know, the Kale McCars, the Quinn Hughes, guys like that. Um, so, he, I mean, he really was ahead of his time. And, again, we've said this on the podcast before, he won the scoring title mm-hmm. as a defenseman. That's incredible. It's, well, I mean, unless Kale McCarr does it, it's probably never going to happen again. Uh, but, yeah, Norris Trophy, especially if you think about how voting goes on the Norris, it tends to reward points. Yes, it does. So, Bobby Orr just feels, I mean, it's just like the obvious. If I were to, because I don't want to agree with, with everything that you say. It's here. fair. So, if I was going to, would, I would do the Nick Lidstrom. Uh, that would also award. be great. I think that would be great just yeah. because not only, and I think, you know, I think it's unfair that they always do like the, the points are a big deciding factor mm. here because Nick Lindstrom, while he was, you know, while he did an incredible job of putting up points, I do think he was like the, the potentially the most elite, like two-way defenseman of all time. Yes, so efficient. <clears throat> he was so efficient, but he was so good both offensively and defensively. He could mm. really do everything on the Never ice. missed the playoffs. Never. That's... Absolutely insane. If yeah. anything, we should name the uh, the Con Smythe after him for that, like because yeah. he never missed the playoffs. Yeah. But I got a different one for that. But um, just like he he just seemed to be seemed to sort of like define what like a modern two way defenseman is, and we bring it back to to you know sort of like acknowledging and rewarding the two way defenses, not just the guys who put up the points, yeah, but the guy but like the guys who can do that, but are also, you know, really good at defending, which is in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Bobby Orr should be the, the name, but just in, for the sake of... I like that. Let's get different. Yes. Um, yes. All right, we'll go, for, we'll, we'll go for the Calder next. Yes, I'm going to go with Tamu Solane. Mm-hmm. 76 goals as a rookie. Uh, I think it was 132 points or 134 points. Uh, yeah, when you think about amazing rookie seasons... For me, Tamus Lai is the first one that comes to mind. And, uh, yeah, nice that it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a sport where we have players from a lot exactly. of different countries. Yeah. Got to represent Finland on that one. I would also, yeah, like it's, like Tamus Lai is, when you think of rookie seasons, he'd be great. Another one would be McGill- McGillney. That's right. He had an, he had an incredible rookie season. Yeah. He's also an international player, and I think it's important to, to name these awards because hockey is such a, it, it is now becoming a global sport. Yeah. And there's so many icons in the sport that are, not just from Canada, not just from the States, but from everywhere. Mm. Um, like, that'd be great. The uh, next one is the Vezina. Now, you have an argument that we should keep this one the same. I believe so, because, you know, the problem with the current names of most trophies is they were named after, like, owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and owners from a time <coughs> where they tended to be very villainous. Yes. Yeah. The robber barons of the sport, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that we have... Uh, a Ted Lindsay award already. Uh, what you know? Part of that is because Ted Lindsay was such uh, a huge part of the NHL labor movement, mm-hmm. fighting against you know some of these owners that have their names on trophies when when he was just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Vesna is different because it's yes. named after a player, George Vesna, uh, who passed away you know too soon due to yes. tuberculosis. But he was a great goaltender, you know, one of the top 100 players of all time, according to the NHL. Um, and, you know, because he died young, there's sort of a memorial element to it. So I would argue not to change it because it doesn't fit the criterion of we need to get some of these, like, old villains off the trophies. Having said that, if you were going to rename it, you know, I would go with either Patrick Waugh or Dominic Hasek. See, I, I would agree with, with keeping it the same because I look at goaltender and there's just been so many, there hasn't been one clear like goaltender that stood out above all of them. There, there's mm-hmm. always debates, right? Whether it's yes. Osaka or Wah, you know, or Broder, Broder or, or, Sawchuk. Or, exactly. Yeah. But like, 
there had like with Gretzky, with with how you know, yeah. with with the Lidstrom or 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 like these were guys who like were so very clearly a step above their peers. Yeah, you know, like these were like the the pillars. And I can't think of because like, yes, I, in my opinion, Dominic Hoshik was the best goalie of his era. But there's someone who could absolutely argue that Patrick Wall was the best goalie of his era. Right. Or you know, then you look at Martin Brodeur and his cups, or you look at this, or you look at that, or whatever. Right? You you could. Say like you know of this era, you know Hendrik Lundqvist was the best, but he never won a Stanley Cup. So yeah. we, you know, I think keeping it the Vesna, like you said, I love the memorial aspect of it. Mm. Um, I love it at, at at a time there was it, it was happening at a time when you know all these awards were named after owners and they they named it after a player. I think yeah. it's great. Um, I think it would be great to be named the, like the Dominator Award or like you know just right. put that in there. But you know there isn't really a clear like you know standing above the rest. There's a lot of great goalies from that era. Yeah. But you can't name it the Great Goalie Award. That's it's true. Boring. So yeah. there you go. Um, I would also say, you know, we're not going to talk about the Masterton, but that would be the same where it's like obviously named after Bill Masterton who yeah. died on there. So you're not going to rename like how that. How can you? Yeah. yeah. But if you were, Mario, Mario Lemieux. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I would say, because I th- definitely think the NHL should have a Comeback Player of the Year Award, and that is the mm, Mario Lemieux Award. There you go. That is, like, I've, I've been... 100% like, and, and not come, because I feel like people use the Masterton as the comeback player of the year. Right. Award, which is not what it's supposed to be. It's no. supposed to be someone who has like persevered, um, yes. like to that point, like who is, and, and kept like sort of the, the love of hockey. This should be like yes. a, a, someone who, you know, suffered a catastrophic injury or had to deal with pain come in and, Marlon Muth scored like a crazy amount of, uh, I think, what was, did he have his 199 point? Yeah, he, season when yeah, he, he back, almost got the 200. 200. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's incredible. All right, the Jack Adams. Yes. Coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, Scotty Bowman is kind of the mm-hmm. obvious answer because he had so much success for so long with mm-hmm. so many teams. Uh, that one, to me, is a, a slam dunk. I'm going to go with a little bit more of it. This has some sort of like narrative aspect to it. I'm going to call it the Pat Burns Award. Oh, that's nice. And the reason why is because... Pat Burns won three Jack Adams throughout his, his career. Mm. He's largely considered one of the best coaches of his era. Mm. And yet, they didn't allow him into the Hockey Hall of Fame for for years and until after he passed away. Yeah. I think that is extremely unfair. Yeah. And I think that I, I, I've always been, I've, I've always been, that's always really just tickled me the wrong way. Fair. You know, and I think that a guy who won three of those awards throughout his career is considered one of the best coaches of his era and was denied um, his rightful place, mm. or his, denied his rightful moment of glory. Yes. Um, I think it's important that, that, that he do, does that. So, yes, Scotty Bowman is the slam dunk. He is yeah. the, like, you know, if the, if the NFL was going to rename the award, it would definitely be the Bill Belichick Award. You know, he is that, that sort of, like, coach that stands above the rest in his yeah. era. Yeah. But I do think that based on his tracker with, with the award, based on his, his, you know, his level of success, and also based on the fact that this is sort of like retribution, I sure. Pat, uh, Pat like Burns that. would be great. Okay. Um, let's go Selkie. Yes. It's got to be the Patrice yes. Bergeron. Yeah. Um, we'll just kind of assume that these awards won't get renamed for a couple of years. Yes. But they or can, we can wait. They can rename it now. I think they, that's be, true. Yeah. They could, if Patrice Bergeron wins the Patrice Bergeron Award, how amazing would that be? That would be incredible. He yeah. could add his, he could, like, like, I believe Patrice Bergeron has six. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Six Selkies in his career. Uh, five. So he, this would be six. There you go. Um, I think that's incredible. Uh, uh, all right. The the Art Ross. Yeah, that one has to be the. I feel that's yes. the Gretzky uh, slam dunk. And I will say it's too bad because you know I, I like your idea of Mario Lemieux for the comeback award because Lemieux kind of gets lost in the he shuffle does. of ah uh, well, you know Gretzky had the better numbers and it's like 
I mean, you know, I mean, you could go Lemieux for the Hart Trophy if you wanted to, but then what do you do with Gordie Howe? So it's too bad. Um, but that's why I, I, we need to acknowledge Lemieux as being, you know, one of the best players of all time. Like we look, yeah, we look back. Like we're gonna look back on on this current year of basketball and go like. If Michael Jordan, or not Michael Jordan, if LeBron James was um, like the Wayne Gretzky of that era, mm. Lemieux's definitely Kevin Durant. Like he's he's mm. like the if Michael if LeBron James didn't exist, Kevin Durant would be the best basketball player of his generation. Over Steph Curry? Yeah, I'd say so. Just like longevity wise, mm. like okay. He, he's he was there for longer. You know, he was he was doing all this crazy stuff. Um, but uh, and I think Lemieux, like he just we don't. I think that we give Kevin Durant enough praise. I think, mm. but like. He, he, we, in terms of a legacy perspective, I think right. he would be somewhat overshadowed. Yes. And I think that's, yeah. Um, all right, then we got the, uh, the Conn Smythe. Yeah, so uh, for this one, I'm going to go with Jean Beliveau because mm-hmm. the man has so many rings. Yes, he does. And, you know, he was such a good example, just a class act all the way. Uh, and I also, I just kind of thought of this, but I like the idea of in a couple of years, like somebody being interviewed by like Paul Bissonnette and Ryan Whitney and then, and then being like, so you won the belly this mm, year. Yeah. I, I, for, to me, that's kind of fun. Uh, but also because, I mean, John Beliveau, one of the legends of the game mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, synonymous with Stanley Cup success. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one, I'm going a little off track here. I think it would be the Justin Williams Award. Wow. Mr. Game 7 yes. Award. Uh, just because, you know, this is, ba- this is supposed to be, you know, clutch. Sure. A player who steps up in the biggest moments, who brings home that, that you know, that, that hardware. And I think Justin Williams, you know, is pretty synonymous for that in that, you know, I, like he's not a Hall of Famer. Right. He's not, like, I don't think he's one of the best players of his generation. But he was someone who, when the, game, when the, the season was on the line, Steps up there. in those big moments. I do agree with you that Beliveau, I think, it's great. The name works, yep. you know, the, like for abbreviations, the, everything. But if we want to go t- contemporary players, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, when you think of clutch, you think of Mr. Game 7. It's true. And I think jo- Justin Williams would be very – because, like, what other opportunities is he going to get to really be enshrined in, in NHL history other than, like, on the cup? Like, he's not going to yeah. make the Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. You know, he hasn't won a ton of major awards. But I do think his, his legacy is going to be his playoff clutchness, his playoff success. Yep. And what else uh, is that but the Econ Smythe? Uh-huh. Um, and then lastly, it's the Rocket Richard. Yeah, I think, he, I mean, he's only had that trophy for like, what, like 20 years? I don't think you could take it away from him yet. But if we were. If you were. Uh, Say Alexander Ovechkin gold. The Ovechkin yeah. would make the most sense. 100%. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be the best. He's on pace to be the best uh, goal scorer in NHL history. Yeah. In, a, in an era when goals were pretty hard to come by for a while. So sure. um, I think that's, that's the best. Nice. That's our new contemporary uh, uh, NHL award names. There Great. we go. All right, we don't have any mailbag today, but we're just going to do rapid fire. Ryan has has prepared me for a doozy. Of a I think it'd be fire. fun. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's go. I, I have no idea what's going to be. All right, we're going to stop. We're going to start with pop culture and work our way to hockey. Okay. Okay. What is the best Kendrick Lamar album? Oh, oh man, that's tough. That that made my soul kind of come out of my mm. body there for a sec. I'm gonna have to go. Good kid, Mad City. You are Pure, correct. I, I think. I it's think the correct answer. I, I'm glad. Look, that yeah. that came out right when I was near the the, the tail end of high school, mm. and it just. It, I love albums that tell a story. Exactly. And goodness gracious, does that tell it? Like that was like the best rap album that came out in in like ten years, twenty yeah. years. Like it was incredible. Yeah, complete album. Also. Uh, 
when I was at the World Juniors in Russia, in Ufa, with Ted Cooper, our old cameraman and video guy, swimming pool was our anthem when, yes. we, would, uh, when we would leave the hotel room. Incredible. Uh, yeah, and I would listen to that album just all around, you know, town. So that's like, yeah, so that is the correct all answer. All around town, huh? All around town. Yeah. All around Ufa. Uh, next question, uh, sticking on music, what is an album that you always tell people they should listen to? Like, if you haven't heard this album, you need to listen to it, you will like it. Oh, wow, that's a really good question. Um, see, it's gotta be like broad appeal, right? Like, oh man, that is a, that's an extremely, you, you really got me kind of on a, kind of got me on the spot here. Uh -huh. um, album that I tell everyone to listen to that they haven't. I mean, it is, a, it, okay, so I, I do a lot, like, because, you know, my dad's, like, you know, a 65-year-old white guy, like, right, but I, I, I'm always trying to get him into, you know, hip, cool trends with the youths and whatnot, mm -hmm. and, um, and so he's, he's, you know, he's not super into, like, rap or anything, right. but I, I'm always just like, Dad, and it sucks because half of this, uh, um, this duo now is, like, you know, he's an unmentionable in the, in the industry at this point, right. but Watch the Throne uh -huh. with, with uh, Jay-Z and, 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 uh, and He Who Shall Not Be Named. Right. Like, Look, that at that point, like that was just in, at, that was like two of the biggest names we had coming together for, uh -huh. for uh, um, just for like a collaboration out of nowhere, mm. and it just worked so perfectly. It, that album is still getting bumped like everywhere to these days. And I say like, look, if you're if you if you don't think you really like rap that much or mm -hmm. whatever, listen to this. And if you don't like it, then I don't think you're I don't think the rap is for you. But give right. it a shot. Yeah, nice, or hip hop. Nice. Mine is uh, there's a. Hardcore band out of New Jersey called Rye Coalition. Mm -hmm. And uh, they sort of became post-hardcore, more of just like a rock band uh, by the end. And they have an album called On Top. And I have played it when I was in my 20s. I would play it for roommates and friends that did not listen to that kind of music at all. And it always became like their new favorite album. It's the album I convert people with. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. And it's also weird if you're Canadian because the opening song uh, sounds a lot like Money City Maniacs by Sloan. Okay. It is the exact same intro, except like Riot Coalition never would have known that Sloan existed and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Just one of those weird cultural things. Mm. Riot Coalition, R-Y-E. Uh, always my recommendation, recommendation is the On Top album. They actually toured with the Foo Fighters at one point and Dave Grohl was like, these guys are amazing. So don't just take it from me. Take it from Dave Grohl. Okay. Well, I, right. will, I will trust Dave Grohl's opinion. All right. There hit, you me, go. hit me more. Let's go. All right. Next one. Celebrities. This could be actors, actresses, musicians, whoever. Who do you think would be a good hang? Oh, um, I've always been a big proponent that, you know, I love my family, but I've always been a big proponent that I, I wish Jamie Lee Curtis was my mother. Oh. Um, I love her. I think she's mm. just got the most, like, I think she's, she reminds me of, like, the cool grandma at this sure. point in her life. But even yeah. before, like, she was, like, the cool mom on the block, but now she's, like, the cool grandma that, like, you know, lets like turns the other turns the other eye when you're like sneaking a beer at her house, you right? Know? Or, or like she, you know, she's like kind of hip and cool with the lingo, even though it's yeah. kind of off. But like you give her a pass, like because yeah. uh, grandma on my, on my my dad's side, like you know, I, my parents are very strict. So when I came there, she'd just be like, "You want to watch TV all weekend? Go ahead. You right. want to eat chips all weekend? Go ahead." Like and all that. She reminds me of that. I've always thought that Jamie, it would be awesome to hang with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, another one who I think would be a great hang. I mean. A lot of people would say McConaughey, and I feel like mm -hmm. he would get, like, I love McConaughey, I think he's great, but I feel like he would get a little, like, like, it would be like the guy, 
I don't know. I feel like he would he would get a little like too you know sort of like introspective at the end or like existential. Like I feel mm-hmm. like you'd just be like asking asking him like Lincoln commercial McConaughey. Yeah, he, you'd be like, hey man, you want a beer? He's like, do we even want anything? You know, right. I'm just like, all right, Matthew, like shut up, man. Yeah. Like, um, but one who I think would be really cool. Um, uh, uh, I would love to just spend a day with like George Clooney. Mm. Like I would just love to just hang out with him, see what his life is like because. I think I think he's just like a very like he seems like a very down to earth kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's just sort of pretty chill. He loves his wife now. You know, he's just he you know he lives in villas and whatnot. But I'd love to just like kind of hang out with him and be like, hey man, so you're gonna you're gonna hang. I mean, obviously Danny DeVito is the the number one answer here. Like I would love that. But like right. with George Clooney, is just like you have to hang out with him. You know, he he might do some crazy sort of like red carpet stuff that he has to do. But I also feel like it's like, all right, man, we're gonna go shoot like a Nescafe commercial. All totally. right, cool. Uh, all right, we'll hang out on your villa. That sounds cool. Your your wife is way cooler and more important than you. Like, and, and yet you're one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. That's yeah. cool. I I think I, and and you're also like seems like a very well adjusted person. I respect that. That's yeah. pretty cool. Nice. But Jamie Lee Curtis number one. I think. Fair. Like I would just love to hang out with her, play bridge with her. Mm. You know, have some afternoon tea, do mm. old, old old people stuff. But like, it would be great. Nice. I'm gonna go with Thundercat, the bass player. Of course uh, you would. Why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched uh, a video of him just talking about playing bass and his favorite bass lines, and it was incredible. And also, he's into a lot of just like cool pop culture stuff and mm-hmm. anime and stuff. I'm like, man, Thundercat, I bet he'd be a good hang. Yeah, so, so. I'm, I'm sure he would. Yeah. All right, so we're running out of time, but we need to do Was He a Ranger? Because I know, oh, yeah. I know Love you it. want to. I'm so. going to close my computer just so yes. no one can accuse me of yes. even looking it up. All right. Okay, this is, a, this is an all-star version. Okay, first one. He's played for a lot of teams mm-hmm. for a lot of years. Curtis Joseph, he was, was not he a Ranger. Ranger. No. Nice. I like how definitive you were on that. I, I like because I, I Curtis Joseph has played on like some random like you know he was St. Louis, he was Edmonton for a little bit, you know yeah. Arizona for a little while. Yeah. Um. Um. But no, he I, Detroit obviously Toronto. Yeah. I know he's never been a Ranger. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Current San Jose Sharks GM Mike Greer, very important player in his day, could fill a lot of roles. But was Mike Greer a Ranger? I'm gonna say yes. No. Really? No, Mike Greer was never a Ranger. Ranger. Man. No, he was an Edmonton Oiler. Yeah, I knew that. I he knew was he... a San Jose Shark. Yes. But wow. He's not a Ranger. All right, you stumped me. Yes. I'm, I'm disappointed. Okay. okay, okay. Yari Curry. Oh, uh, yeah, he was a Ranger. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah I knew that. Yeah. Good call, good call. Okay. All right, Luke Robitaille. Played with Gretzky a lot. But I know they didn't like each other that much when they were playing. I did not know that. I, I, uh,. I want to say yes. Yes, he was. He was. Very Luke briefly. Rupert. Very briefly. Because he was briefly. one of those big yeah. stars. Like, again, the Rangers would always, and this is why the game is being born this way. Exactly. Because the Rangers, at, in that era where there was no salary cap and they were clearly the richest team, yeah. like, they would take all these stars who were, like, on the last couple of years, mm-hmm. like the Currys, like yep. the Robita, and they would bring them in and they'd play, like, one year and then go elsewhere. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Okay, final one. Okay. Pat Lafontaine. Classic Islander, classic, classic Saber. Saber. Was he a Ranger? Again, another guy who I think, you know, towards the end of his career, I'm going to say yes. Yes, Pat Lafontaine, the very last season of his NHL career, he was a Ranger. Yes. Well done. That was a very Thank good you. showing. Thank 75%, you. 75%, better yes. than I ever got in math in high school. So there you that's, go. that's good. It was 4 to 5, which is 80%, oh, oh. which would explain why you're bad at math. There you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, speaking of me being terrible at math, uh, we've reached the end of the show. Um, come back with us next week to see how much worse I get at math uh, by week to week and also with the lovely uh, uh, NHL storylines that we're going to be following. 
uh, BetMGM for all your betting needs, McKenny Hockey for your hockey needs, and the Hockey News for all your hockey content needs. Stay tuned, we got some good stuff coming up. Boom. Boom. <laughs>